Good evening, friends. Today is Tuesday, the 3rd of December, 2019. Our readings tonight are Psalms 10 and 11, Amos 3, 1 through 11, 2 Peter 1, 12 through 21, and Matthew 21, 12 through 22. Almighty, everlasting God, let our prayer in your sight be as incense, the lifting up of our hands as the evening sacrifice. Give us grace to behold you, present in your word and sacraments, and to recognize you in the lives of those around us. Stir up in us the flame of that love which burned in the heart of your Son as he bore his passion, and let it burn in us to eternal life and to the ages of ages. Amen. Seek God who made the Pleiades and Orion and turns deep darkness into the morning and darkens the day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out upon the surface of the earth. Dear friends in Christ, here in the presence of Almighty God, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins so that we may obtain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have left on, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through our God, Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, make speed to save us. O God, make haste to help us. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. O gracious light, pure brightness of our ever-living God in heaven, O Jesus Christ, holy and blessed, now as we come to the setting of the sun, and our eyes behold the vesper light. We sing your praises, O God, Creator, Redeemer, and Holy Spirit. You are worthy at all times to be praised by happy voices, O Son of God, O Giver of life, and to be glorified through all the worlds. Psalm 10. Why, O God, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked persecute the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes they have devised. For the wicked boast of the desires of their heart. Those greedy for gain curse and renounce God. In the pride of their countenance, the wicked will say, God will not seek it out. All their thoughts are, there is no God. Their ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of their sight. As for their foes, they scoff at them. They think in their heart, we shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, we shall not meet adversity. Their mouths are filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under their tongues are mischief and iniquity. They sit in ambush in the village, in the villages. In hiding places they murder the innocent. Their eyes stealthily search for the helpless. They lurk in secret like a lion in its covert. They lurk that they may seize the poor. They seize the poor and drag them off in their net. They stoop, they crouch, 
and the helpless fall by their might. They think in their heart, God has forgotten. God has hidden God's face. God will never see it. Rise up, O God. O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the oppressed. Why do the wicked renounce God and say in their hearts, you will not call us to account? But you do see, indeed, you note trouble and grief, that you may take it into your hands. The helpless commit themselves to you. You have been the helper of the orphan. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoers. Seek out their wickedness until you find none. God is ruler forever and ever. The nations shall perish from God's land. O God, you will hear the desire of the meek. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice for the orphan and the oppressed so that those from earth may strike terror no more. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Psalm 11. In God I take refuge. How can you say to me, flee like a bird to the mountains? For look, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? God is in God's holy temple. God's throne is in heaven. God's eyes behold. God's gaze examines humankind. God tests the righteous and the wicked, and his soul hates the lover of violence. On the wicked he will rain coals of fire and sulfur, A scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. For God is righteous. God loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold God's face. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity. One God, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Amos, chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Hear this word that God has spoken against you, O people of Israel, against the whole family that I brought up out of the land of Egypt. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. Do two walk together unless they have made an appointment? Does a lion roar in the forest when it has no prey? Does a young lion cry out from its den if it has caught nothing? Does a bird fall into a snare on the earth when there is no trap for it? Does a snare spring up from the ground when it has taken nothing? Is a trumpet blown in a city and the people are not afraid? Does disaster befall a city unless God has done it? Surely God does nothing without revealing God's secret to God's servants, the prophets. The lion has roared. Who will not fear? God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? Proclaim to the strongholds in Ashdod and to the strongholds in the land of Egypt and say, Assemble yourselves on Mount Samaria and see what great tumults are within it, when oppressions are in its midst. They do not know how to do right, says God, those who store up violence and robbery in their strongholds. Therefore, thus says God, an adversary shall surround the land and strip you of your defense, and your strongholds shall be plundered. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle D, a song of the wilderness. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. They shall see the glory of God, the majesty of our God. 
Strengthen the weary hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to the anxious, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God coming with judgment to save you. Then shall the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf be unstopped. Then shall the lame leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The ransomed of God shall return with singing, with everlasting joy upon their heads. Joy and gladness shall be theirs, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Second Peter, chapter 1, verses 12 through 21. Therefore, I intend to keep on reminding you of these things, though you know them already and are established in the truth that has come to you. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to refresh your memory, since I know that my death will come soon, as indeed our God Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of Jesus Christ, but we have been eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God when that voice was conveyed to him by the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain, so we have the prophetic message more fully confirmed. You will do well to be attentive to this, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, because no prophecy ever came by human will, but men and women moved by the Holy Spirit speak spoke from God. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle 15, the Song of Mary. My soul proclaims the greatness of God. My spirit rejoices in you, O God, my Savior. For you have looked with favor on your lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. You, the Almighty, have done great things for me, and holy is your name. You have mercy on those who fear you from generation to generation. You have shown strength in your arm and scattered the proud in their conceit, casting down the mighty from their thrones and lifting up the lowly. You have filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. You have come to the help of your servant Israel, for you have remembered your promise of mercy, the promise made to our forebears, to Abraham and Sarah and their children forever. Amen. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 through 22. Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he cured them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the amazing things that he did, and heard the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became angry and said to him, 
Do you not hear what, those, what these are saying? Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read? Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise for yourself. He left them, went out of the city to Bethany, and spent the night there. In the morning, when he returned to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the side of the road, he went to it and found nothing at all on it but leaves. Then he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they were amazed, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? Jesus answered them, Truly, I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only will you do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it will be done. Whatever you ask for in prayer with faith, you will receive. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us affirm our faith together with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the matriarch almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, her only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the matriarch. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. God be with you, and also with you. Let us pray. Our Mother in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your queendom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Grant us today, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the queendom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. that this evening may be holy, good, and peaceful. We entreat you, O God, that your holy angels may lead us in paths of peace and goodwill. We entreat you, O God, that we may be pardoned and forgiven for our sins and offenses. We entreat you, O God, that there may be peace to your church and to the whole world. We entreat you, O God, that we may depart this life in your faith and fear and not be condemned before the great judgment seat of Christ. We entreat you, O God, that we may be bound together by your Holy Spirit in the communion of St. John and all your saints, entrusting one another in all our life to Christ. We entreat you, O God. Most holy God, the source of all good desires, all right judgments, and all just works, give to us, your servants, that, that peace which the world cannot give, so that our minds may be fixed on the doing of your will, and that we, being delivered from the fear of all enemies, may live in peace and quietness. Through the mercies of Christ Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Be our light in the darkness, O God, and in your great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night and all nights, figurative and literal. For the love of your only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ, 
light of light, brightness indescribable, the wisdom, power, and glory of God, the word made flesh. You overcame the forces of Satan, redeemed the world, then ascended again to the matriarch. Grant me and all your children, I pray, in this tarnished world, the shining of your splendor. Send your archangel Michael to defend us, to guard our going out and coming in, and to bring us safely to your presence, where you reign in the one holy and undivided trinity, to ages of ages. Amen. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now, in the time of this mortal life, in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal. Through him who, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Gracious Jesus, stay with us, for evening is at hand and the day is past. Be our companion in the way. Kindle our hearts and awaken hope that we may know you as you are revealed in scripture and the breaking of bread. Grant this for the sake of your love. Amen. Keep watch, dear God, with those who work or watch or weep this night, and give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick, gracious Christ. Give rest to the weary. Bless the dying. Soothe the suffering. Pity the afflicted. Shield the joyous. And all for your love's sake. Amen. Now I'm going to share a few thoughts on the scriptures, and I'm like on fire for our scripture readings tonight. Um, I definitely feel the encouragement and the energy of the Holy Spirit speaking to me through these verses, so forgive me if I kind of run off a little bit. I'll try not to too much. Okay, so starting with our psalms, I think it's so interesting how the psalmist, and, and I have so much compassion for the psalmist here because, like, I feel, I, I can very easily put myself in the psalmist's place to feel what the psalmist is feeling, this perception that God is far off and hidden and not near to us in this time of crisis. Like, where are you, my rescue and my support and my help? I get that very much. But the psalmist works through this evolution of where are you? I can't feel you to the end of the psalm with this trust that God will strengthen, God will incline, God will do justice. And it culminates in this statement so that those from earth may strike terror no more. So we move through this like, where are you? It seems like these wicked evildoers are prospering for their wickedness. And they're like just handing it down from generation to generation. This evil spiritual inheritance. And they seem to be unaffected and uncaring of you, God. Like, it, it's just unfathomable. So, Lord, rise up, lift up. And then here's the transition point, verse 14. But you do see. God does see. God is aware and God, it says here, takes note. not in any kind of offhand way. 
when God records it, this trouble and grief that we have, those who seek to cause others trouble and grief, And it's not that God needs to keep a tally so that God remembers. God remembers. I believe that it's for the purpose of restoration. God's intent is always to hurt and never to harm even the evildoers. God wants to restore restore and redeem the evildoers. And we're all at some point or another evildoers and people who hurt. There's not a person on this planet that's gotten through life without hurting anybody. But out of that hurt, God can redeem and restore. And just as the psalmist has come to realize that God does see so we need to realize God sees God takes note God will address it might not be in our time like I don't want to sit here in this painful place and here we are kind of back to our advent I don't want to sit here in this painful place even though I know that you're coming I know it God I know that you're going to take care of it all I know you're going to wipe away every tear I know you're going to restore everything in multiples But it is hard to persevere here waiting for that. Even though it's a waiting, expecting good things, it's hard. I can definitely identify with that. I think that probably some of you can. And so God's doing this, God's seeing, God's knowing, because God's going to take care of it. God really is. And we're reminded that God has been the helper of the orphans. And I believe that this here is not just literal, although it was very literal, especially in those times, but also it's figurative. There are those of us who have been orphaned or cast off without help or care by the very people that should be caring for us, should be leading us, should be shepherding us, should be loving us, whether it's an actual biological parent or parents, or it is others to whose care we've been entrusted. God is so much more capable and mighty and will everything, every ounce, of care and love and opportunity and justice and provision that we should have gotten but was denied or taken from us, God's going to restore and redeem that exponentially, greater than anything any human caregiver could give us. God is going to give us. And every bit as hard as the waiting is, so will the joy of the blessing be. God's got us. He hears our desires. He strengthens our hearts. God inclines our ear. To do justice. When we don't feel heard, God hears us. Nothing is lost on God. Every time that we weren't allowed to tell our side of the story, every time nobody cared, every time we were ignored or told to shut up or oppressed and told to be quiet, shred the document. Say nothing. Let it go. Go along to get along. Outside of our area, 
not in our lane, not our place. Whatever was said to you to oppress you and to crush you and to keep you down, every time you were silenced, God heard it. Even if the words never got to escape your lips, God heard the crying out of your heart. And God took note to take it into God's hands and do her justice. And when God's justice is done, it's going to be complete. There's going to be no more. No more terror. No more power. These earthly powers are all going to be usurped by God's power. Those abusive authorities in this world... God's just going to overturn it all. In the end, and there are many endings, right? But in the end, in the culmination, God's justice is going to be done. So hang on tight, friend. This season this Advent season of waiting expectantly, not knowing exactly what it's going to look like, not knowing what form God is going to take when God comes. It is hard. But God is with you even here, even in this preparation. So I pray that we, in this season, whatever this season looks like for us all, that we enter cooperatively into the transformative process with God. And I'm sorry I've said this so many times before, but I really believe it's true. A good friend of mine reminded me, it was either today or yesterday. I think it was yesterday, um, but we talked about it again today. To lean in to the hardship because there are lessons there. And I know it sounds just as crazy for me to say as it probably did when Paul said it, but give thanks for adversity. Because when we, when we cooperate with God's will and adversary, we are transformed and blessed by it. So God, take the pain, the sorrow, the suffering, the injustice, the oppression, all of it, and use it for your good and your will transform us that that was meant to destroy becomes a blessing amen i know i'm already waxing way on i spent a long time just on that one psalm and i think this is what psalm 11 is speaking to too too as well in verse 5 when it says god tests the righteous and the wicked and god's soul hates the lover of violence god doesn't lay traps for us but God uses the adversity that we encounter in this world because of sin and free will and, and all those things to test us in the way like metal is tested in the fire. We are shaped and formed and made strong and true. That is what is meant here, I believe. Because we've got to move on, I guess I could just talk about this forever, folks. So thank you for your patience with me. Our Old Testament reading. So some of the context here is that Amos was reluctant to prophecy. And I think we can identify with that, too. Um, I know that I, in my life, and which might be surprising to some people that know me well, because I, I'm known for being outspoken, among other things. But there are definitely times when it is hard for me to speak up. And I have an even greater empathy for those that aren't outspoken personality types. Because if it's hard for me, how much, how much more exponentially hard must it be for them? And I mean, man, this, this world we live in, these principalities and powers that have set up systems of oppression 
they don't like people that speak up because that shakes those evil foundations. It threatens the evil systems. It threatens the ungodly power and the abused authority. And the retaliation from the powers that be, as Walter Wink would call them, it is great. And it hurts. And it's scary. And Amos, as many other prophets in the Bible, knew that like the backlash that he was going to get for saying things that people didn't want to hear, He had some fearful anticipation about that, and I think we can empathize with that. Speaking truth to power is not a pleasant task, (laughs) for sure. So he's led through this, I believe it's like eight-step rhetoric here with these rhetorical questions, and the clincher at the end is, God has spoken who can but prophecy. So we see God in all of these things. And I think that this is relevant to what we were just talking about with being with God in adversity, right? We can see God even in terrible things because God is present with us always and in all situations. God doesn't make those situations. God is present there with us. And so when we can see God's presence there with us, then we can see beyond the current circumstances. We can start to see the future, what we're moving towards, which is a kind of prophecy, having vision for what we're becoming is a type of prophecy. And so I think that we should ask that God gives us eyes to see God's presence and God's promise, the future hope. God, let us see. Let us see you here with us. Let us know your presence and show us Give us a vision of how you're using that adversity and what you are transforming us into. What that next transformative step, that next glory that brings us one step closer to you looks like. Plant that in our hearts so that we may point our feet toward it and walk with you. And God, give us the discernment to know when and then the courage to speak up, just like you did to Amos. You know, in in the rest of the verses here, 9 through 11, God tells Amos to proclaim and tell the people to come together, to assemble, right? Because to assemble is to come together and see. So here we are with vision again, right? see the tumults, and see the oppressions. And then God says something very interesting. They don't know how to do right. And the they is described in the second half of the verse, those who store up violence and robbery in their strongholds. They don't know. These evil powers and people that have allowed themselves to be People that have succumbed is a better way to say that. People that have succumbed to the evil powers and principalities. People that are so enmeshed in this system. And sometimes, yes, that's us. They don't know. They don't see. So the prophets, which, yes, sometimes includes us. So God, let us know when and let us know what and help us to do it. Are to speak up. And, and to shake up, 
so that those who don't know may know and become free. And our, our reading here goes on to say that therefore an adversary shall surround the land and strip you of your defense and your strongholds shall be plundered. So these strongholds is a reference back to the strongholds where violence and robbery are stored up. So something is going to come against those strongholds and tear them down. And then it's up to us what is brought in to fill up. So they've got these strongholds. They're filled up with violence and robbery, right? So think about it like, I think metaphorically we can think about it in these terms. Think about it like storehouses. Like this is what people are building up and holding onto. Holding onto it for power, for security, um, out of fear, out of perceived scarcity, whatever the reason. This is what people are, are, are hanging on to. Violence and robbery. So that's going to be all demolished and swept away, right? So what's really key here, I think, is, okay, so we should choose what we hold on to. So if we've been clinging to these things that are evil, that are not helpful, and we've, we've been unknowing, we've been, let's, let's, let's just kind of go with the assumption that those who don't know, whether you want to think about that as don't know any better or, or unenlightened or whatever, have been clinging to these these things that are crap and that's all going to be swept away. So what should we store up in its place? What should we hang on to? And these are the things that we have to remind ourselves and each other that the things that to hang on to are faith and love, that that's what it's really all about. It's not hanging on to or harboring any sort of evil and by evil I mean like the grand spectrum of of sin jealousy and greed and hatred and like all of those things all of these things that we stored up and we hung on to because we thought it would make us safe or we thought it would give us power right it's gonna get taken away because those things aren't the truth those things don't, don't last. Those things aren't foundational. So rather than making the mistake again and reaching back out for those same things that do us no good, God, give us the grace to see what we should build our strongholds on, fill up our storehouses with. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Boy, I better get moving. Warned you, sorry. <laughs> okay, so our New Testament reading. Just as the writer is reminding of God's grace and faith and love, so should we remind each other. One of my best friends today reminded me of something, of a prophecy of sorts, actually. She was like, don't you remember? It's almost two years ago. You were talking about this. I know this isn't probably what you envisioned in your mind as the way that vision would come to fruition. But God placed this on your heart. This might not look like it yet, but this isn't fulfillment. And that reminder was really helpful to me. And I think we do need to remind ourselves and others of God's promise and God's word and God's presence and the faith and the love. And yes, I know I keep coming back to faith and love, but they're not easy. It's not easy staying rooted, becoming rooted and staying rooted in faith and love. It's not easy. It's not the way of the many. It's not the way of the world. And so, yeah, we need all the help we can get. We need to remind ourselves and each other and where those reminders should come from before they pass through our lips is from the Holy Spirit.
So let's tune our ears to the Holy Spirit and let's remind each other of what we've seen, what we've witnessed, what we've witnessed ourselves with our own eyes and what we've witnessed to each other. Sometimes we need to be reminded back to ourselves. I know I did and I know that was helpful. We all need our memories refreshed. And we need to not be, we need to come to know for ourselves. So like um, Simon Peter says here, that if one of us departs, the other can remember on their own. They can know these things on their own. That's why I have such a difficulty with faith backgrounds that from my perspective, obstruct the individual's relationship with God. I believe that we are intended to be guides to each other, not gates. And we should hang on to these messages. We should hold them up for confirmation from the Spirit. And we should be attentive to this. We should follow this light, like Peter says. And I think this is just such a beautiful affirmation. Be attentive to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. And this is so relevant to us tonight that similar, and this language is similar to the, the canticle of the wilderness that we read earlier, but in this time of anticipation, in this time of waiting, in this time of repentance and reflection, in perhaps this time of adversity, and I say perhaps in that it might not be a particular time of adversity for you, but in times of adversity, hold tight until the morning star rises in your heart. Hold tight through the fog of war, through the darkness, through the places that you can't see and you're groping and you feel like you've got no one to guide you. Hold tight and God's light will shine. God's presence will be known. The morning star will rise in your heart. And then it finishes up here with, in understanding that the prophecy of scripture is not a matter of one's own interpretation, but it's men and women moved by the Holy Spirit and speaking from God. And just as the words that are written in our scripture are written by the Holy Spirit through the men and women that were moved to record them, so also should we read with the eyes of the Holy Spirit and not depend on human interpretation but seek the Spirit's interpretation. Seek for the Spirit to make the message known to us. And seek each other, because confirmation and reminders and understanding can come from each other. But we have to be very careful about entrusting interpretation to other human beings. Like we can seek the advice of biblical and, and theological scholars, but the ultimate test is to lift it to the Holy Spirit and to see what the Holy Spirit has to say to us in this present moment, in this context, what the meaning is for us here and now. And that will guide us through those dark times. Okay, at last we come to our gospel reading from Matthew. So many of us are familiar with this, um, 
this story um, where Jesus drives out, overturns the tables and, and drives out the folks who are selling in the temple. I think the phrasing here, drive out, is... I think it means something to me particularly in this context today. Especially when we think about shepherding and herding. So if you if you drive out an animal, you're driving or urging the animal out before you. So he drives them out of the temple. Um, it doesn't actually... Yeah, it does say here in Matthew's version about overturning the tables. So... My prayer for us is that is that God drives out both from our person, so like from our hearts and our beings, and also from our environments, the robbers of love and joy and faith and justice. So like as we were talking in the previous scripture readings about... Um, God restoring, God is also making room for restoration, right? So he's driving out what shouldn't be there so that what should be there can enter and take up all of the space. Um, so in this case, he's driving out the money changers and, and the folks that are selling, the folks that are profiting, right, off of those who come to pray. And he's telling them, my house is a house of prayer. So he's repurposing what had been co-opted. And I think that that's particularly helpful for us because, man, there are folks that have co-opted the very name of Christianity. And it has been brought to mean something that, that it doesn't. The truth has been obscured and the name and the practice and the religion of Christianity has in many cases been co-opted. So this is going to be restored and redeemed. Just like Jesus restored and redeemed the temple and the temple's uses. And those who profited off the backs of, of the oppressed, they're going to be driven out. And I'm going to say this frankly, and I know it sounds a little woo-woo, but the evil spirits that are perpetuating and oppressing their evil systems that much of humanity has gotten tangled up in, and, and that's too light a phrase, ensnared in, entrapped by, they're going to be driven out too. And there's going to come a time that Jesus is going to come and he's going to do this sweepingly across the earth. But when we invite Christ in to drive out the evil and restore the good, he can and will do it for us here in this time. And the transition might be a transition transition of vision so that we can see things for what they are because we belong to God. We're claimed by God. We're, we as humanity have gotten ensnared in evil. That's not our birthright. That's not the purpose that we were created for. And so we can rest assured that that's not what God desires for us. So we don't have to wait for, and that's interesting because we've been talking about this being a season of waiting, um, and Advent is, but there is restoration and redemption and cleansing and restoring all of those things. I might've said restoring twice there, sorry. Um, that can happen before Jesus Christ's second coming. So God is here and present now. And I do believe that we open a path to restoration and healing when we pray for it. And I think of all the things that 
that we can pray for. We need not have to wonder about whether or not it's in God's will to restore, to redeem, to drive out evil, and to create safe space for good to flourish. That's always within God's will. And just as then the people came for curing and Jesus cured them and there was backlash from those still ensnared in oppression to the very point that they were becoming, they were then oppressing, right? So they're part of the evil system. Um, There's going to be backlash that we encounter in our experience It's unfortunately all too common that the spiritually imprisoned are those who perpetuate the systems that imprison them and hate the free and hate the freer, right? And we can see that repeated throughout history. White supremacy is an example. There are many, many examples. I, I guess I, I could go on and on about that, but, but I don't know really what good that would do. Um, and I think it helps us to think about that. The, these are folks that are imprisoned and are blind. They cannot see the very bars of their cell. And so when they are lashing back at those of us And yes, I do count myself among the spiritually free. And I hope that either you do already or you are cooperating with God and moving in that direction. When those of us that are spiritually free are acted out against, are abused by those that are spiritually imprisoned, like we should have compassion for them. Because we've all been spiritually ensnared and imprisoned to one thing or another. And and so it's not that like we're better than they are or really that there's any us and them. It's just, it's almost just their spiritual geography at this moment in time. And so just as we pray for our release, we should also pray for the release of those that don't even realize that they need to be released. Lovingly. We should do that lovingly. So then there's this one about the fig tree. It's always just kind of puzzled me, but I think I got some insight on that tonight. So I I think here, the tree's not bearing fruit. So Jesus tells it to wither, and and it withers. And I think that this is kind of another way of speaking about, and this is, this is my interpretation, hopefully with the help of the Holy Spirit. So take it with a grain of salt, lift it up to the Holy Spirit yourself, etc. Because I know that there's, there's more here that, you know, fig trees, according to my commentary, often symbolize Jerusalem or the temple. And so Jesus's action is understood as a prophecy of judgment. I get that. And I think that that relates here. So the tree's not bearing good fruit, so Jesus makes it wither. When things wither in our gardens, when they're no longer bearing good fruit, when they're dead, we we pull them out and we plant new things. And so I think this is aligned with everything that we've already been talking about tonight. The fig tree's not bearing good fruit. Jesus makes it wither. There will be something that comes in its place. And it's the same way with Jerusalem The old Jerusalem is going to be done away with. The new holy city will be created. I think that seasonally, and this is a good season to be talking about it too, we have to accept that some things come to an end when they're no longer bearing good fruit. 
it's okay to let it wither and die and to plant something new in its place. Letting go has always been difficult for me. It's always been hard for me to accept when something is season or is over or the efforts I've put into something aren't working and it's time to try something new. I, I tend to overinvest and stay invested longer than is effective. And so I think my prayer in, in this wintry season of Advent, right, this season of waiting, when the snow is blanketing everything, when the plants have withered, in this season, let our reflection and our time of repentance spiritually reveal to us, may the Holy Spirit reveal to us what in our spiritual lives, and perhaps that extends to, because it's all connected, our physical lives and et cetera, our, our like habits and practices, but what in our lives, and this is a good time to do it when everything's kind of lying dormant and we can kind of pause, right? We're not out working in the garden right now to continue the metaphor, forgive me, but it's a good time to pause and reflect and enter into the co-creative process with God to plan for the next season, to ready ourselves for the next season. So what needs to die that something else can be reborn? What parts of me is it time to let go of? What parts of me are my life? Things that I'm practicing, relationships that I'm holding on to, habits, coping mechanisms, all of that stuff. In our busy, busy lives, it is often the case that we must let one thing go in order to start something new. We don't have room for all of the practices, right? And what it, like maybe it even applies to our thinking. What in my thinking is not productive, is not transforming me, drawing me closer to God? What do we need to let wither and die? And then God, what do we plant and nourish and invest energy and time and love in? I think I've pretty much already spoken, although I didn't requote it to verse 22, whatever you ask for in prayer with faith, you will receive. I think it's important to note that like, these kind of inform each other. And I think like prayer, like I was saying, prayer opens the way, or if we want to use another metaphor, prayer opens the door. Faith shows us which door. When in faith, we draw close to God and rely on the Holy Spirit to reveal to us where we're going, which, which door we should try, right? which, which knob we should turn. It's then that we know that we are praying within God's will. So like, it's a very symbiotic relationship between faith and prayer. Faith informs prayer and prayer activates faith and they, and they go back and forth and kind of feed each other. And it's kind of like, you know, we talked before about faith like a mustard seed and I believe, help my unbelief. Well, if we through, through faith seek the Holy Spirit, then we receive the answer about where to focus our prayers. And then our prayer life becomes intertwined with God's will. And so we start seeing effectiveness of our prayers. And as we're growing in faith, we have eyes to see the answering of our prayers. And so all these things are connected and, and, and collaborative together as part of this co-creative process with God. So prayer through faith and faith through prayer and connectedness to God. Amen. Well, folks, I think that's finally all I have to say on the readings. Thank you so much for bearing with me tonight. 
I covet your prayers um, in this particular season of my life. And you have mine. God bless you. All right, let's go ahead and wrap this up, folks. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O God, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth and in the age to come life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless God. Thanks be to God. The grace of Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. God, grant us your wisdom, discernment, power, and courage. Protect us. Give us the words to speak and the ears to hear. And move anything that stands between us and your will. Amen. Good night. Thank you.